little battery change there. Yeah, everybody doing good? Yeah? Y'all did good on the little clapping thing. I mean, that, that went bad. Went bad at all. We are white. So, you know, there's some stuff going, going on there, but that's okay. It's all right. We are praising the Lord, and, and that, that's a great song. If you would have seen those kids during Summer Spectacular, it was absolutely amazing in here. They were really loud, really singing, and it was just amazing. Um, in fact, when parents came to pick them up, they could hear them in the foyer singing, and so some of them were peeking in the doors. So, you know, we had to, we had to stop that because you can't have parrots in here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so good. Good. It's good to see everybody. Um, we are in a series called Everybody Knows. Last week was a prequel. This is actually part one. Just go with me. I'm not weird. Okay, so part one. And this is actually one sermon that I'm preaching in two weeks. Okay, so one part this week, one part next week. We'll wrap it up next week. So if you feel like at the end of this one it didn't quite finish, well, that's the reason. There's a whole other section that we're going to do next week in, in this particular thing. So to get started, um, y'all are very familiar with Family Feud, right? Right? And so I want you to watch these clips. Everybody knows. Uh, here's some clips from Family Feud to get this thing going. Name something men think they do perfectly until they marry and wife show them what idiots they are. Well, I know this from personal experience. That is laundry, Steve. Laundry. <laughs> yeah. Laundry. You think that's up there? I know what's up there. Girl, <laughs> that's... <laughs> you probably... What, what do you think the chances of it being up there is? 100%. 100%. You know, you, you know what Travis said about you? What? Travis said you ain't ever wrong. <laughs> so this right here... It's going to be quite a test. What, what was your answer? Laundry? Laundry. All right, let's see if it's Come up on. there. <laughs> Name something might be leaking where a plumber would be no help. Let me say your tire. You might have a small leak in your tire. In your tire. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. You like that one? I like that one. That's I like that good. one. You like it a lot? I like it a lot. Yeah. It's up there. It's up there? Yeah. Boy, you show it's up there. Show 100. Not 50-50. Not 50-50? 100. Well, I'm, I'm going to show you how smart you are. How many of y'all think it's up there already? Let's go. <laughs> You got everybody in the crowd think tire is up there. They know. They had a leak in the tire. They before. know. They know. They know. <laughs> Boy, they know for show. For show, for show. For show, for show. One thousand percent. So if I turn, tire gonna be up there. Gonna be up there. You ready? You wanna turn first and look? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> so there you go. There you go. Everybody knows. So <clears throat> that was fun time to get started with. But the question I want to ask you today is what does everybody know about you? What does everybody know about you? And then right up underneath that, what does everybody know about Farmington Baptist Church? Because let me tell you something. Whatever they know about you, they know about Farmington Baptist Church because you go here. You and your actions are a representation of the family that we have here. It's also a representation of Christ and his church and what it's supposed to be. So the question is, what does everybody know about you? Like when they, when they see you, when they, when they see you interact with them and they um, go home and they talk about you, what do they say about you? What does everybody know about you? I think we can go one step further. What does everybody know about you that you don't think they know about you? But everybody in the crowd knows, but you think that you've kept it a secret for a very long period of time and nobody knows that you're this particular way, but everybody really knows they just hadn't told you yet, right? Everybody knows this about you. What does everybody know about you personally? And what does everybody know about Farmington Baptist Church? So one thing that I would really like everybody to be known for and for Farmington Baptist Church to be known for is of their faith. I think faith would be a great thing for everybody in our community to say, hey, that Farmington Baptist Church, they are people of faith. And not only are they people of faith that have faith in something, they are people that are faithful to their beliefs. I mean, that would be great if the whole community, if the whole community knew that about us. That would be absolutely incredible. So let's talk about those two words just for a few minutes. And here's the definition from Webster's. Faith is this, confidence or trust in a person or a thing. Now, this is what we know. It is by faith that we step into salvation. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He took the punishment for our sins on the cross. So by faith, we say, Lord, we are a sinner. We're asking you to forgive us of our sins. Me personally, forgive me of my sins, and I want you to be my savior. I accept your free gift of salvation. That's faith. You step into a moment. You're in the presence of God. You become part of his family. Faithfulness is this, however. Faithfulness is, a, is firm in observance of duty or action. In other words, faithfulness is an action. It's, it's what you do. Um, it, it's how you take your faith and you actually live it out. So you're faithful with it. Now, I don't know if you, you live in these circles or not that I, I live in. I mean, I... I don't know if you view the same things or hear the same things that I hear. I don't know, so I'm just, but I'm going to throw this out. If I, if I was with a certain circle of my friends, listen, we all have circles, right? We all have circles from where I come from. You know, the, none of that. I didn't like the way any of that came out. It, I didn't like the way any of that came out. Look, faith, 
oh my goodness, I just got kind of bumfuggled there for a minute. Mm. A lot of my friends, pastor friends, feel that faith is like the mm word. Like you want to have faith. I mean, that is what you want. You want to have faith. And so you, you think in terms of faith being a great, grand thing, like faith of Daniel, right, in the lion's den. Oh, a man of faith. You know, the, the faith of David going up against Goliath. I mean, whew, faith. We think Hebrews 11, right? Moses, and he's just, he's just a man of faith, and he's like, whoo, that's what we want to be like. But when we think about faithfulness, some people, when some people think about faithfulness, they think of it a little bit less. Like, faithfulness is reserved for people that are talented. Okay? For instance, for instance, go with me on this. For instance, in my little, it's not that I agree with this, but some of my circles, they'll have this pastor that is over a church that is small, and they'll say, you know, He's really faithful. And what they're saying is he has no, he has no talent. He has no you know, ability. He, thank you, Daniel Lepp. You know what I'm talking about, right? The pastors are, are they're sometimes, yeah, anyway. And, and, you know, they have faithfulness. You basically re, reserve that particular uh, word for people that have no talent. They have no giftedness. But, man, they're just faithful. Bless, it's, it's the equivalent, it's a pastor's equivalent to bless your heart. Right? That's what it is. It's, oh, they're just faithful. They're just faithful. I'm here to tell you today that faithfulness has just as much oomph to it as faith does. Being faithful is just as important as having faith. And in fact, the English language uh, puts faith as a definition and faithfulness as a definition, but the Greek language doesn't. It's one word for both of those words, and it's pistos, piste, and it's faith and faithfulness. It's all combined together. So, so what is the difference between faith and faithfulness, and why should they be connected together? Like, we should never view we are people of faith without thinking that we should be faithful. And we should never think of people as being faithful without those people having faith, okay? We should never do that. They all go together. So, so what is the difference and how do they work together and how can we actually live, with, live this? How can we be known as people of faith and people that are faithful? Well, here, here's the first one. Ready? A life without faith will limit you. A life without faith will limit you. If you do not exercise faith in God, it will limit your ability to live in this moment. It will limit your ability to get in touch with God. It will limit your ability to be in the presence of God. So a life without faith will limit you or, or with little faith. A life without faithfulness will destroy you. A life without faithfulness will destroy you. For instance, because we put these two things, faith and faithfulness, in two different categories, we can actually have people 
that pronounce eloquently the tenets of the faith. And they can do it very well. And they can be very, very convincing. And in fact, you believe when they when you listen to them, that they're actually living what they are saying. You actually believe that. But what we found out over time is not everybody that makes a proclamation of faith and seems like they have faith are faithful. And so what happens is pastors do fall from time to time because they haven't been faithful to obey the teaching that they have been teaching. Are are you tracking? So, If you do not have faithfulness, you will destroy yourself. You can say you have faith all day long, but if you aren't living it faithfully, you will go down a road to where you will destroy yourself, your testimony, who you are, and everybody will know. And I've been in ministry long enough to know that this is true. This is absolutely true. I've My heart has been broken many times with people that I really thought were in the faith and really thought were a part of God's kingdom and they really wanted to do great things for God, but they did not stay faithful to living for him. And so they fell. Now, can we all fall from time to time? Absolutely. Absolutely all can. We all can. But faith in Jesus requires you to be faithful to him. You can't just have faith in Jesus. When you make that commitment and ask him to forgive you of your sins and for him to be your savior, you are saying, Lord, save me, and I am going to be faithful to you from this day forward. It is not faithfulness in your works that saves you, but your faithfulness is a result of you being saved. It is a result of you having faith. It goes together. You cannot divorce the two. Faith is how you meet God in the present. You can't meet God in the present without faith. It's a moment that comes, there's moments that come into your life and you have to step into it. And when you step into those moments, if you step into them by faith, you know that God is with you in those moments. If, if you don't, you're not stepping into the presence of God in those moments. You're living those moments out in your flesh. So moments come your way and you step into those moments with faith. And faith is a very present word. In fact, I would, I would put it this way. Faith, in this regard, in the English regard, is the anchor that makes you stable during any given day. It is an anchor. So you anchor down in on it. Okay. So faithfulness, faithfulness is um, this moment and how you meet God in this moment. Faithfulness, however, is when you're faithful today, what happens is it creates an opportunity for you to stay in faith tomorrow. Faithfulness today is a futuristic word. It produces and it molds your future. Faithfulness does. Faith doesn't. Faith gets you to stand for whatever comes your way today. Faithfulness actually is future. It, it, you're faithful today, and you get the benefits of being faithful tomorrow. I'll, I'll kind of explain it to you this way. When I was 17 years old, 
I worked for a financial company. They did stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all that kind of stuff. And so <clears throat> my job was cold calling because they would have these um, presentations and they wanted people to come to presentations. And I felt good about it because I was giving away free tickets to these presentations. And the ticket price said $50. I was like, wow, this is a deal for these people just to take this for free, not knowing that the $50 was just, you know, a gimmick. Right? A gimmick. So Philip, 17 years old, had a higher voice than I do now. So I'd get on the phone and I'd say, hello, Mr. Johnson. You know, it'd be really a high-pitched voice. And they would always call me ma'am. Right? Always call me ma'am. This still happens to me today. If I answer the church phone, I know if it's a telemarketer because they'll ask for the pastor. And I'll say, well, what would you like to talk to him about? Well, I would like to talk to him about this. So well, let me take a message for him. They have no clue. And they'll call me ma'am. They think I'm Robin. Secretary, the church secretary, so uh, administrative assistant. So anyway, nonetheless, they think that. So I'm on the phone, and I, would, I was relatively good at this. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, out of 50 calls, I would get 15 yeses. And I didn't realize in that market that was a very good thing. I felt like I was a failure because Philip thinks 50 out of 50 is an A. You know, that's my mindset. So... It was kind of depressing. But anyway, I worked for this guy named Scott, and Scott convinced me that if I would start putting $25 in a mutual fund every month at age 17, that by the time I retired, I would have over a million dollars. He convinced me of that. He showed me the numbers. He showed me how the interest compounded over time, and I was just blown away. So Philip decided to start a mutual fund at age 17 and put $25 in it a month so that he would be a millionaire by the time he retired. Because who wants to be a millionaire? Philip, right? <laughs> Philip wants to be a millionaire. But the thing with that is if you want that for retirement, you have to be faithful in putting the $25 a month into the mutual fund. If you don't do that, you will never get the money, right? It will never have the interest and the value of it later on in life. It will never have that. So you have to do this $25 a month. And honestly, I've done that since age 17. But I made a mistake. When we were living in Kentucky, I took out $3,000 from that mutual fund to pay off a debt. In other words, I lost a decade I don't know if you know how this thing works. That's a lot of money. Like, I should have taken out a loan and paid the interest on the loan, and that would have been less money than what I lost by taking that $3,000 out. Does that make sense? Right? But that was stupid. So here's, here's the point of this. If you're going to be faithful to um, make sure that tomorrow you are still in the faith, you have to make sure that you do it every day. And when you make a stupid mistake of faithlessness, you repent and you come back to God and you start being faithful again. And unlike the stock market, Jesus restores you from whatever you lost. He restores you. 
So you come back to him and you become faithful to him again. You cannot just have faith. You have to have faithfulness as well. You have to live what you say you believe. And everybody in this community should know that about you. They should know that you live according to your faith and you're very faithful to it. They should know, your neighbors should know that you're very faithful to church. Your neighbors should know that you're very faithful to do your devotions. I don't know how you would do that. Maybe, I don't know how you would do that. But they should know that you are faithful to the word of God in everything that you do. They should see something different as a result of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. They should see your faithfulness. And if you do that, what happens is people start noticing. And then they're like, eh, I think I might need to look into this. And then if they get saved, they start doing something else because of your testimony. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading with uh, chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, the latter part of it. Yeah. Starting with you. Here we go. You know what kind of men we've proved to be among you for your sake. First of all, the what kind of men we proved is, of course, Paul. Savannah and Timothy. You know what he's saying. You know when we were there and we were sharing the gospel with you, you know that we not only shared the gospel and the word of God with you, but we also practiced what we preached. We lived out what we told you was the truth. And you know this. There is no debate about this. In fact, in, in some of Paul's letters, he's trying to defend the way that he acted. In this particular letter, he's not. He is confirming what they already know. You saw us live in such a way that it matched the faith that we told you that you should have. We were faithful, and we had faith, and we taught it to you. You know this. You know this. The next verse says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, we live this out in front of you. You received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then what you did was you imitated the way that we lived. You bought the robes that, that we were wearing. I'm, I'm having a little fun. I'm having a little independent Baptist fun. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You bought the clothes that we were wearing, the sandals that we were wearing. You walked the way that we walked. You talked the way that you talked. You studied the word of God the way that we studied the word of God. You had prayer times the way that we instructed you and the way that you saw us praying. You mimicked the way we were living because you knew that we believed what we were selling. And it changed your life. And you wanted to know how to live that life as well. And so you imitated us. You imitated who we 
are. Do you know that um, you really don't learn anything unless you imitate whatever you're trying to learn? Did you know that? Yeah, imitate everything. Everything that you learn, you imitate, okay? For instance, um, <clears throat> I like to cook. I don't know what that makes me, but I just like to cook. I, I like to put spices in things. I like to put stuff in the oven. I like to grill on the grill. I love to cook. I hate baking. In fact, I made a cake one time for Nicole for her birthday, and uh, it was nasty. <laughs> Absolutely nasty. And here's how bad I am at baking. It came out of a box, a Duncan Hines box with instructions on the outside, and I just didn't get it right. I didn't get it right. I cannot bake. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I just couldn't bake. But I can cook. And so the person that I imitate when I cook a lot is Gordon Ramsay. Mm. Now, I don't, I'm not into his language. Not into his language. But man... He's got some recipes. In fact, if Gordon Ramsay came to my house and cooked anything, if he picked up roadkill all the way over and said this was going to be good, I would eat whatever that man cooked. It, he just, it's phenomenal. The stuff you, you watch on YouTube is like, wow, my mouth is watering. I mean, it's stuff that fish, I don't even like fish, but I would eat his fish. Hands down, I would eat his fish. There is just stuff that he has that I fit. So recently... Recently, within the past two weeks, um, I watched a YouTube video where he makes bacon-flavored potato soup. Now, let me tell you about this bacon-flavored potato soup. I'm going to make this, okay, one day. This bacon-flavored potato soup has two pounds of bacon that are cut up. You put it into the pot right? And then you get onions. You chop them up and you put the onions in the, in the pot. And then you have like some garlic that you chop up and you, you put it in the pot. And you just, you just start that stuff just simmering, you know, just making that little base, right? And you put a little bit of chicken stock in there and it just starts working. And Gordon on his thing, he, he perfectly chops up like potatoes. I don't know how he does it. They, they look perfect. So I, my potato soup's not going to be that way, but his is just perfect. So he puts his potato soup in there, and it just looks so brilliant, so good. One, it has bacon. Two, it's just, it's Gordon. It's just, my mouth is watering right now. So I had planned to actually make this particular soup one day, and um, it was on a Friday. And when I woke up that day, that day was going to be 98 degrees. And I don't know if you know anything about soup, but 98 degrees in soup just ain't going to happen right? So I'm waiting to cooler temperatures, and make no mistake, I'm making that potato soup. And if that potato soup is good at our, at our soup fellowship in January of next year, I'm bringing the soup, and I don't care if you like it or not. <laughs> I don't care if you like it or not. Here's how much I don't care, okay? Just to, just to see where you all rate with all this, I just want, want to be very clear with this. Nicole has asked me to, that's my wife, if you don't know that. Um, Nicole has asked me to not use real onions because she's allergic to onions and, and instead use onion powder. And I told her, no. <laughs> and she said, well, I won't be able to eat the soup. And I went, 
I'll be at the altar for selfishness later, later today. I am known for that, you know, that sort of deal. But all that to say, it, it's real ingredients. It, it, is something, it is something that you imitate. You imitate this thing. Um, when you learn to write, you connected dots on a sheet of paper, A's, B's, and C's. You were imitating those letters. Now, for some of us, once the dots were gone, we were no longer legible, okay, for some of us. But for others of you, like y'all took the little dot thing, and it's been absolutely amazing. You can still imitate that today. That, that amazes me. Um, other imitations is like currently, currently, for teenagers in 2022, they're actually imitating the hairstyles of the 80s. Right now, the, the guys with the hair, the way it is, I feel like, ladies and gentlemen, I am looking at my yearbook. Is, is what I, I feel like I'm looking at when I see it. I'm not making fun of any teenagers in the room. I don't want you to think that. I just literally feel that. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's back? Wow, in the 80s, I couldn't have that kind of hair because I was independent Baptist. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I could now and be, and be kind of cool. But, but nonetheless, that's it. We imitate in order to figure out how to live. And listen, if we can imitate cooking, to learn how to do it, if we can imitate how to write in order to learn how to do it, don't you think we should find somebody that we can imitate so that we can become more like Jesus? Somebody that's living for Jesus, that's following Jesus, that's being faithful to Jesus, and we're just trying to figure out how to live this thing. We're trying to figure out how to live faithful, how to, how to live a life of faith. Can't we just find somebody that we can imitate to figure out how this thing's done? And then once we imitate them for a certain amount of time, we step off on our own and we continue that lifestyle. And then what happens is people see the change in you and they know that there's a change. They see it and then they want to be a part of that. So they receive Jesus and they start imitating you. That is how this thing is supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. Recently um, on Facebook, within the last couple of days, I ran across a particular post and it's from Jacqueline. Uh, Jacqueline is, is part of our um, congregation. She's on the prayer sheet. She has cancer. And um, she had her first round of treatments this past week. And this is what she says. Today was the first day of weekly Taxol chemo. And I have to say, it didn't start off well. Two sticks to access my port and then got sick with just a few minutes after hanging the bag of fluids. After receiving Benadryl and having a nap, things got better. Growing up, my mom didn't do well when we got sick, but today she did amazing. So thank you, mom, for not leaving my side to get sick yourself. So far, those are the only problems and prayers that I have no other problems over the next 11 treatments. God has a plan, and I just have to keep my focus on him as he is the only one who will get me through this. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything that you should ever imitate if you ever go through something like this, it's that right there. And we have other people in this congregation that did the exact same thing. And so when they, when we saw their faith and we saw how they held on to Jesus and how they got through their cancer, and we see people that have cancer like she does, how they're holding up on to Jesus with faith because he's the anchor and they're being faithful, those are people that you imitate. If you are looking for somebody 
to imitate. It is not somebody that their life seems to be glorious. It is somebody that has gone through a difficult time and held on to Jesus during the difficult time because that is the measure of faith. That is when the rubber hits the road. And that's when everybody knows if you really believe what you say or you don't. That's when everybody knows if you are going to be faithful or you're not going to be faithful. And on the other side of whatever it is, people need to know, hey, that is a family of faith. It's a family of faith. And let me tell you, we have some strong, faithful families in this church that have been through the ringer, but they held on to Jesus and he got them through. That is what you and I need to be known for. That is what this church needs to be known for. That is what the community needs to see in us. Everybody needs to know it. Everybody. So the passage continues, right? It says, uh, you became imitators of uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So here's what happens when people are are people of faith and faithfulness, people start talking and word of mouth starts talking about the faith of the people and, and the insanity of, it's not really insanity, the difference, like the difference that's happening in these people's lives. And so they start talking and it spreads. So to give you a concept of how far this thing spreaded, um, these people that were imitating Paul and uh, Savannah and Timothy and how far it spread, um, let me show you this. Here's a map. Up in the left-hand corner is Macedonia. It said it spread all the way through Macedonia. Down at the bottom is Achaia. And right below the Macedonia is Thessalonica. You see the little dot there. So it spreaded this, this faith. Everybody knew in that area of the faith of that church. Everybody knew. But it wasn't just on that side of the map. Paul will go further, and in verse 8 he says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Everywhere. Now, Paul was a world traveler. So, this is true. So, Paul is saying when he's over here in Philippi, he's heard about the faith that the Thessalonians, I cannot say that. Thessalonians. I don't know why the Greeks couldn't have named their city something easier for English people to speak. <sighs> Thessalonians. He says he heard about them. When he was over here in Asia, in Ephesus, he was hearing about these people's faith. Literally, everywhere he went, he heard about that church. Wouldn't that be great? if that was also Farmington Baptist. That everywhere you went, you heard something good about Farmington Baptist. 
about its ministry, about its faithfulness, about its stand for what's right and wrong, about how it's different and how it's changing lives. Wouldn't that be great? It would be absolutely incredible. But it comes down, ladies and gentlemen, not to a building, not to 1835 Farmington Road. It comes down to how you are living your life and what everybody knows about you. Because what everybody knows about you, they instantly attached to the church that you go to. That's what they do. It is a big responsibility for us to live out our faith and our faithfulness, to imitate that so that people talk in good terms about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very important. So, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap it up with this question. As soon as I find it. Okay. If someone, anybody, decided to imitate you right now, what would they be imitating? Would they be imitating faith, love, and hope? Or would they be imitating pride, arrogance, and despair? If anybody decided to imitate you right now as a model for how they should live their Christian life, would they be imitating faith, love, and hope are just your abilities, your frustrations, and your gloom. What would they be imitating? This is so, so important. You may have already thought about this. You may have already thought, well, Philip, aren't, aren't we supposed to imitate Jesus? Yes, we are. And that's why when people imitate you, you should be, they should be imitating your faith, love, and hope. Jesus was never arrogant. He was never bad. He was never doing things that he wasn't supposed to do. He was faithful to his calling that, the God, the, that God the Father told him or gave to him. Now, I know the Trinity. It's one God. Um, don't, don't shoot me. But God sent his son with a mission into the world. It's biblical. And he was faithful to that. So that is what we imitate. Everything else has to go out the door. Everything else is a lack of faithfulness. Being faithful to him and true to his word and how he wants you to live is what you should be doing. And everybody should know it. And if people imitated you, that is what they should be imitating. But you have to live it before you imitate it. Right? Yeah. Before they imitate it. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the state you've given us. We thank you for the example of this church in Thessalonians. Thankful for the people. Father, help us be a people that follow you in faith and faithfulness. Help us to be a people of faith, love, and hope where we as a group are making a difference in this world and according to your will and your way. Father, we really want Farmington Baptist Church to be a place where your kingdom touches the earth. 
and where people get answers to their questions, but more importantly, where they find Jesus and they learn how to live for him. So Father, we're asking that you help us do that. Father, guard against anything that would cause us to go in a different direction, that would cause us to lose our good testimony. And um, we're relying on you for that as well. I do pray for the people in the room that were challenged just now as they thought about if they were imitated, what would people be actually doing? And maybe some conviction happened. I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that they'll confess that sin and that they will get that off their chest and that they'll leave it behind today and that will no longer be a part of their lives. So we leave all of that into your hands and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing this closing number.